It is difficult to fathom the sheer devastation of flash floods. Occurring as a result of heavy rainfall, rapid snow thaw, city drains overflowing, or dam failures, flash floods can reach a height of 20 feet, severely damaging anything in its path. If you are thinking that because you live in a city, you have less of a threat, think again. Disturbingly, cities are particularly vulnerable to flash floods due to the predominant impermeable surfaces, such as asphalt and the lack of natural drainage systems. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Preview of Tomorrow. I am your host, Mike Lake. In this preview, I will be talking to Esteban Canepa, the CTO of Sedim, a startup that is addressing the prominent threat of flash floods in urban areas by providing an early warning system for this fast and unpredictable disaster. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome Esteban. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And, and, and once again, I want to thank all of our, our listeners and viewers out there. Uh, I'd like to introduce you all to Esteban Canepa, the CTO of Sadim, uh, a startup that uses novel sensing technologies to provide early warning and monitoring systems for flash floods in urban areas. So Esteban, before we really get into this challenge of flash flooding, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to, to uh, focus on this issue. Thank you very much, Mike. I really appreciate the invitation. I'm a big fan of podcasts, so it's a pleasure to be here. Um, and well, why floods? Basically, I, I, I was born in a state in Mexico called Tabasco. It's in the south regions of the country, and it's a state that always struggles with floods. Every year there is a, a, a severe flood, but particularly there was an event that kind of uh, defined what I was going to be doing. Uh, that was in 2007. I was in undergrad at that time, um, and I was living in a city like 10 hours away from my hometown, and there was a severe flood. It was like one of the most severe ones that have happened in recent years, and uh, so I managed to get some uh, food and things for people that were affected and I took them with a group of people to the affected areas and I saw firsthand what uh, flood incidents can uh, create in a in a city the impact and uh, yeah all, all the social and economical impacts of, of a flood like I saw them firsthand and and yeah, that that event marked me a lot. And then I moved to Saudi Arabia as a post postgrad student. And then there was a flood also here in Saudi Arabia, and it was also a severe one. That was 2010. And um, yeah, that's when my research started shaping towards that because it was a severe event, and I saw them firsthand. And that's how it, everything really started. Uh, the seat in my in my mind. You know, you've just brought me back here in the U.S. to Hurricane Katrina, which, you know, now so many years ago. But uh, hearing your story reminded me, I, I did something similar. I collected 
um, housewares, you know, furniture and, and supplies uh, all around Massachusetts and, and drove it all down to New Orleans that had been so affected by Katrina. And um, I was welcomed by the, the local government there. And um, it just so happened that my timing um, was such that, uh, and this was a few months after the, the actual flooding had occurred, but um, the lower ninth ward of New Orleans was being reopened for the first time. And so I was one of the first people invited into that area. And I've never seen anything like it. Um, I mean, at six foot two, I was the tallest thing standing um, in what was once a neighborhood. Um, there was just nothing left but debris. So it, it's amazing the impact that, that floods can have. And, and so let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I mean, I think I, I think a lot of people um, don't realize, you know, just how damaging floodwaters can be. Um, I, you know, I've seen that, uh, you know, just just two feet of, of flood water moving at a normal flash flood pace, which is like nine feet or so per second, uh, is literally enough to sweep vehicles away move 100-pound rocks or uproot trees and level buildings. I mean, you're talking about complete devastation. Um, tell us a little bit more about flash flooding and, and, and how it occurs even in urban areas. Well, it's true. Floods, actually floods are the most common natural hazard nowadays in, in the whole planet. It's as simple as that. Just to give you uh, an idea from... 2010 to 2019, 46% of all natural, all disasters triggered by natural hazards are were, were actually floods. Mm. So it's like almost half of all the all the disasters that are taking place nowadays in the world, it's a flood, and they're affecting our urban areas. And the the impact is huge. That's basically what what I saw during that event, and what you also have seen uh, firsthand. I mean, if we translate that to numbers, it's 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 huge. Just to give you an example, talking about recent years to, to 2019, uh, which is like one one year we studied a lot. Uh, just in the first half of that year, uh, flood losses were estimated at around 33 billion US dollars. That's just six months of one year uh, globally, and that's I mean, if you start doing the math of that. Uh, you realize that we have a severe problem problem on that. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind that when they affect a city and, and urban areas, that's where most of the people is living and is going to be living. By 2030, 65% of global population will be on cities. So that also brings a, a, a kind of a challenge, that challenge into perspective. And um, so we have, that's what we have observed, and that's basically what the numbers say about that. And also the, the other aspect is the amount, the frequency of these events, how they are appearing more and more often. Just to give you an example, the global trend nowadays of all the disasters, including human-induced disasters and natural-induced, if we analyze the numbers, we see that there is a trend in that every year, most of the disasters are coming from a natural 
uh, trigger. Uh, from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was around 73%. Now we are around 83%. So it's getting more and more severe and it's getting more and more frequent. That is the, the, the challenge that we're facing and that's in perspective what we are currently uh, seeing in the numbers and uh, you just have to see the news. Uh, there is always a, a, a country affected by a flood, by an incident like that, and, um, and the numbers are there. And, and we have to also keep in mind that um, we need to prepare for that, but basically we have to um, call them as, as they are disasters, but they're not natural disasters. We have to keep also that in mind. Uh, they are just triggered by a natural hazard, but it's a combination of uh, the hazard and the vulnerability and exposure and the lack of capacity. That is really what it what it translates to a to a disaster, and that's that's kind of the the problem we are facing nowadays, and we will face them more and more often in the years to come. So you're really talking about an increasing number of these incidences, an increase in the intensity of these incidences, and an increase in loss of these incidences as a result, and and certainly in an urban center. You know, the situation just made so much worse uh, by the amount of our land that is covered, whether it's a building or sidewalk or pavement of a road. So it leaves little place for the water to eventually be absorbed. Um, and standing water creates another whole uh, challenge uh, and, and damage. So clearly this is an issue. There's also, I mean, it, we have to address the fact that there's also a tremendous loss of life um, and when these incidents can be a tremendous loss of life when these incidences occur. So tell us, what, what can people, communities uh, be doing to better prepare and to better be warned of such an incident? So the first thing is to uh, realize the the situation that like understand their context of we have uh, observed many urban areas and each one of them has a different context, a different reason why a flood could happen. That is also important to notice. And, and it's to understand that, to really uh, realize which is the, the, the position in which they are located in, from, a, from a flood perspective. And the next step is to engage. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, there has to be a lot of engagement from a social perspective to understand what are the protocols to react when such a, such a thing happens, such, such an incident is going to take place or is taking place. That is also important from, from like, I am a citizen also, and this is the steps that we have to follow. Um, but also there is the other part of how can we prevent it? And I think that is that is key. How can we start uh, reacting faster and better to these kind of uh, hazards that are uh, appearing? Um, and that's basically uh, where technology start appearing and, uh, and it's vital. Um, because we need to prepare, we need to create to create um, emergence uh, early warning systems 
and emergency response teams that are optimized by technology. This is, this is the key aspect of that. Uh, to give you a number and why is this so important, um, according to a World Bank study, every dollar we invest globally in prevention, mm -hmm. we can save up to $9 in recovery from wow. an incident. So that's, I mean, that's, that study reveals that we have to invest more and more into such a thing. Um, and basically that is what nowadays is called climate adaptation. Mm -hmm. We have two aspects, right? Climate mitigation, which is reduction of the emissions and climate adaptation is really, okay, how can we react better to what is currently taking place, right? We're working in reducing the emissions and all this, but also how can we reduce the impacts, uh, social, economical, and all that. Um, and to put also things into perspective, uh, there is a study that uh, they have a study, right? How much investment do we need to to have a better adaptation to climate? And what they have come up with is like for they will it will require an estimated of 50 billion US dollars annually mm -hmm. invested on 50 developing countries to meet the adaptation requirements. This annual investment for the coming decade, for example, to 2030 where we have set some goals and all that based on agreements that are in place nowadays. So this is uh, the amount of investment that is required and is required, of course, on infrastructure, on technology, on social preparations, a social, um, I would say, engagement. So the solutions can actually be triggered properly to any context. So you had mentioned the technology side of this and, and, and that's really where Sadim comes into play. So for the for our audience members please explain to us in simple terms you know what what is it that Sadim does and how does that uh, what's the impact ultimately to a community or to an individual yes well I would like to to ask the people to imagine how would we to have your smartphone and out of a sudden receive an alert that a flood it's is coming within the next six hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, or even more than that. That piece of information will have a direct impact on how affected you will be. From the fact that you will probably move to a safer place, you will probably re minimize the economical impact that that flood is gonna happen, is gonna, is gonna have on you and your family, and, uh, and also the governments can react better. That is basically what we do. That is, in, in a nutshell, what we do. It's basically alert with a, a window of uh, hours. And we're working to enhance that amount of time. Uh, how do we do it? We basically use sensors as our core technology that are placed on critical areas affected by floods. Um, these sensors are basically transmitting real-time information of the flood situation 24-7 and with that information, we can do estimations of the impact that is gonna have, the amount of water, and we can be its prevention, but also mitigation during the flood, mm. right? It's the, the two things. So what we're looking forward is to reduce the impact. That is, that is the key. Um, that is done and that is how we apply it. Now, our core um, work is on the sensing technologies, but also we're working with partners to engage 
and enhance the overall solution for flood uh, mitigation, which involves modeling, uh, weather prediction, and all that. Really, to, to target floods and to address floods, we have to take a holistic approach. That is key. That is vital. There is no single solution. And that is what we do. So, first of all, is it fair to say that um, essentially what you're doing is is creating the flood equivalent of what already exists for earthquakes in terms of monitoring and warning systems um, to save lives and, and minimize economic impact to communities and families? Exactly. Yes. That's, and the importance of uh, the time, it's, it's uh, really, really something we have to consider because every hour uh, that you add to the, to the warning, uh, it's literally impact that you're reducing. Estimated that every, every hour can have like a 10% impact, impact on the uh, reduction on the impact that that flood incident is going to happen, is going to generate. So that's, that's basically why we're working so hard on that. Well, Esteban, I, I want to thank you for that work because you're literally saving lives. Uh, and, and that, um, uh, we just can't commend you enough for that effort. But there is also that economic impact. And, and nobody, no survivor need, wants to deal with um, the, the tremendous loss, uh, economic loss, not to mention personal valuables and, and, and memories and, and whatnot that get washed away. So listen, I want to thank you. Our time goes by so fast every time. It shocks me. But, um, you know, in, in conclusion here, for those who are interested in learning more about this amazing technology, this uh, ability to be better prepared and warned, um, how, do they, how do our listeners and viewers uh, learn more about Sadim? Yeah, they can enter our website. It's uh, sadimwss.com. That's uh, S-A-D-E-M-W-S-S.com. And there they will find all our social media accounts and they can contact us directly. And yeah, we'll be happy to talk to anyone. We have projects in different regions of the world. So we understand the context of uh, how flood affects differently. Mm. And um, yeah, we're looking forward. Well, it, as we said, there's pretty much nowhere to uh, to escape that will 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 pr completely pr pr uh, protect you from a flood. So it, it, this is something that we all should be mindful of. And and thank you again for joining us today. I appreciate you spending some time with us. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guest today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow 
is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.